Greetings to all my tech heads out there in the Kev Techify Nation. And if you're new here, welcome. In this episode, we're going to look at wireless LAN components. We'll be discussing wireless NICs, wireless home router, wireless access points, access point categories, and then finally wireless antennas. This episode is part of my series on switching routing and wireless essentials for the Cisco Certified Networking Associate, also known as the CCNA. I'm Kevin here at Kev Techify. Let's get this adventure started. When we start talking about components of a wireless LAN here, first thing we're going to look at is our end devices. These are what the end user uses. This is where the data stops. Now, this could be some sort of portable device, this could be some sort of maybe server where, where the data is, but this is where the data stops. It doesn't get retransmitted on to someplace else. It stops there. And like I said, typically it's an end user device, a laptop, smartphone, something along that line. Now these end devices, they typically have a transmitter and a receiver built into them that they can receive and send data. And they're typically portable. In, in the laptop family and tablets, something along that line. Most of the time, we don't see our antennas. They are internal into our devices. Here's a picture of a uh, laptop where the screen has been removed. The antenna is up uh, wrapping around the screen to keep it the highest point typically on the laptop all times think about as you use your laptop the screens up the top of the screen is usually the highest that's where they put the antenna here's a cell phone that has um, the back removed and the battery still in there but right here is the antenna notice it's on the high end of the phone it's on the outside of the electronics so it's away from your head best transmission they're typically integrated the user you never see those antennas now, if you have to put wireless into an existing desktop PC, what we can get is a PC wireless card. They, you buy them, you open up your computer, you put them in a motherboard, turn it on, do some configurations, and you have that connection. Now, why would you want to, in a desktop, put a wireless card? One of the things is today's wireless is starting to get just as fast as a wired network. And if, if, if it's a normal, traditional user, somebody who uses Office, browses the web, checks their email. That's all they do. They're not a really high-end user. Wireless is probably all the speed they need, especially with the newer standards that came out today. The second is maybe you can't run a wire to where you want this location. Maybe there's no way to run the wire uh, safely. And, and otherwise you have to run it across the floor. That's a trip hazard. Typically local building codes won't allow you to have a wire across the floor. You don't want to run one across the ceiling. That would look ugly. Maybe you're in a building that has some sort of historical designation where you can't make any changes to the building, but all of a sudden you want to put a new computer in, in, in a room that you're going to use as an office, or you have to update the cash register and you need network access for that cash register, but you can't run wires there because you can't modify the existing building. Or maybe your lease does, doesn't have it. And this way you could go and put a wireless card in there and you could have network connectivity and not have to worry about modifying that building. Another thing you could do besides putting a card in is we can get USB wireless adapters. They plug right into your 
wireless um, into your USB slot. As I point down there to my computer, they plug right into your USB slot and they allow you to connect in wirelessly. Here's, here's two examples. One, this has this cord. So you could plug this cord into your computer here and then you see all the extra cord here? You could run and put this adapter someplace that has a good signal strength. You could set it on top of your monitor. You could put it on the edge of the desk where Wi-Fi is even better. Here you, you have a adapter that plugs right into a USB port that has a antenna on it. This is a dipole rubber ducky antenna. A lot of times I see laptops with these. You're going to go, well, laptops come with a wireless card built in. But in order to upgrade that to a newer technology, a faster technology for wireless in that laptop, a lot of times you have to take apart your computer. You have to at least pop the back off and you have to put a new card in. And that new card, sometimes $50, $100, where a lot of times you can buy these USB adapters that plug right in your side in a USB port. They're, they're typically $20 to buy that. And that's for the newer technologies. Easy upgrade. The end user, they can go and they can do that themselves. You don't, as an administrator, have to go around and install all these new uh, wireless technologies in the laptops. You can just say, here's your new wireless adapter, plug it in the side and you should be good to go. Yeah, you have to go through some configuration, so maybe you might wind up doing it, but it's a it's a time saving and it's typically cheaper to upgrade this way through some sort of USB connector than it is to look at going through and actually updating the wireless card inside a laptop or tablet. And even on some devices, you can't do it, like on a tablet. They're built in and you can't upgrade it. Okay, we talked about end devices. Now we need to talk about network devices. These wireless devices that allow you to connect into it, that allow these end devices to connect into your network. They provide a connection between the wired and wireless networks. They, they, they sit right there. There's a wire coming in one side typically. They have antennas on the other side. They make that transition for you. One of the things that most of us are probably most familiar with is this wireless router. This wireless router that we have at home, smaller companies sometimes use these. These are these $50 uh, wireless routers. You can go to any store, buy. Now, $50 is a low end. I, I know some of the newer ones go for a couple hundred dollars depending upon the technology, but they all have basically the same features. These are a little bit different than a corporate level access point which we'll talk about in a second but these wireless routers that you can go to a store you can order online buy you set up to run in your house they typically have a couple different things built into them they have access points they allow you to connect in wirelessly here we have antennas and so the wireless signal comes in and out of here to allow our end devices to connect in now these have external antennas you can get wireless routers with internal antennas Second thing they do is typically on the back, they provide a switch. So you can plug in wired equipment. This wired equipment then could be maybe a printer or a desktop computer. And so it allows you some flexibility on how you're gonna use that on your network. And then the last thing is it gives you, or it's a router. You plug your internet into here, into this connection right here. This is where your internet goes. Now, when I say internet, this is the connection from your ISP. 
DSL, cable, whatever you have for internet coming in your house, you plug into there. And then this device provides you with router functionality. You get one connection coming into your house. You get one IP address assigned to that. That is used by your wireless router. And then the wireless router, it does some, um, what we call routing on the in, inside of it to allow multiple devices on the internal network to use that one connection outside. So it, it functioned as a router. Some of you may say, okay, well, if I can buy this for 50 or $100, why do I have to go out and buy an access point where entry level is typically starting at $1,000? You're looking at switches that are $1,000. You're looking at routers that are thousands of dollars. Way more than this hundreds of dollars up here. Way more. Well, it's about reliability and how much data, how many end users you can have. In your home, you have a couple of people living with you. That's what this device is designed to handle, is this couple of people. If it goes down, you're going to have upset people in your house. They're, they're not going to have their streaming television services. They're not going to be able to browse the internet. They're not going to be able to play their video games. But life will not end. You, you'll, have, you'll be forced to have a family dinner together without the internet. In a business, if your internet goes down, this is where you hear companies talk about losing thousands of dollars an hour because my internet is down. And you don't want it to go down, so you're going to spend thousands of dollars to make sure that that doesn't happen. Plus, on this home router, this $50, $100 router you have at home, it can handle a couple users simultaneously using it. But if you start to get five or even 10 users pushing a lot of data through these home routers, they're going to slow down. They're going to start to buckle underneath the pressure and just not perform. Where if you look at this corporate level equipment down here where you're spending thousands of dollars again, it's going to handle all of those users. It's going to handle all of that traffic and not even break a sweat. And so we have these these routers they're typically called home routers wireless routers and you don't necessarily see them in a corporate corporate environment i hope you're liking this episode on wireless LAN components if you had the time please leave a comment and let me know what you think about some of the wireless LAN components you can also visit my website at kevtechify.com for all of my details and how to get these episodes in video and podcast form what does a wireless networking device do? It, it's really designed to do one thing. It's got a couple subcomponents to it. What it does is it sends out a beacon. This beacon contains some information. First off, it contains the SSID. That's the name of a network. When you open up your smartphone and you go to list all the Wi-Fi networks, that's the SSID. That's the name of the network. Then this broadcast beacon tells you how do you associate with it what technologies are we using and then the third thing this broadcast beacon does is it goes through authentication how do you join up what what are we using do you need to supply a password or certificate to connect in do you have to authenticate against the server this broadcast beacon supplies all of this information and that's what one of the main things the wireless network device does once we handle the broadcast beacon then we're just basically transferring data after that 
Another device we can look at is what we call a wireless range extender. What this does is it extends your network without really having any additional infrastructure. You don't necessarily need to run wires to it. You have to run power to it, which a lot of times is easier than running a network connection to it, but then it gets in the, your network signal and then resends it out. The issue with the range extender is it needs to be in communication with your existing wireless network, so it needs to be close but then once it gets that signal in, it can bring it in, recondition it, give that signal some more strength and send it back out. And so it extends your network a ways. Now these don't work infinitely, so you can't necessarily put 20 range extenders in to build your network, but they do help in certain situations. From my experience, what I see a lot of times in corporate environments is when you need to put a range extender in, most people will just run a wire there and then put a regular access point and they just put another access point on their network to extend coverage range extenders they, they work but then sometimes they don't work because you're, you're repeating that signal and so you can have some issues but it is a solution in some cases now we get into the main thing here that makes that connection between your wireless end devices and your wired network. These are what we, what we call our wireless access points. These are different than those wireless routers. This wireless access point typically just has one network connection in it. You plug it in and it does one thing. It provides that connection between a wireless device and the wired network. It doesn't do any of that other things the, the um, wireless home router does but it does this very well and it's it's at corporate level it it has great stability it sends lots of data through it when we talk wireless access points there's typically two types of access points one is autonomous and one is a controller based system autonomous means that wireless access point has all the software on it has all the configuration all the settings to work by itself and the other type of access point here is a controller-based. Normally, in a controller-based environment, your access points are unintelligent. A lot of times we use the word dumb, but it's, a, it's an unintelligent access point. When you plug, that, plug it into your network, it typically gets power over Ethernet through your connection, so it turns on and boots up. What it does is it looks for a wireless LAN controller. It looks for another device on your network to give it instructions on how to work. Now, with a controller-based network, you're gonna have a lot more cost. You're going to have that wireless LAN controller. You're gonna have the cost of that in anywhere from $1,000 up to $20,000. Your wireless access points, if you go with some mainstream ones and the cisco ones are seven eight hundred dollars a piece it's a fairly expensive system but it's going to be rock solid you are going to have the stability you're going to have the throughput you need from a corporate network well you're going to have the same thing with the autonomous system the difference here is the autonomous system every time you want to make a change to the net change to the wireless devices you have to go to that autonomous access point make the change, go to the next autonomous wire, wireless access point, make a change, and you have to go through all of them. Where if you have your lightweight access point, and that's the one that needs the controller, 
You just go to the controller, make the change, and push that change out. And it's done to all of them. It's a lot quicker, more efficient. But the cost is there. So summing up the differences, autonomous is a cheaper system designed for smaller networks, but scaling is difficult. The controller-based networks we see are designed for bigger wireless networks, easier to manage, but there is a bigger cost with that. When, when they say, okay, I want a controller-based system, how many access points am I seeing? A lot of times what, what, what I'm seeing here is the cutoff is somewhere in the ballpark of 20-ish access points. And, and plus or minus five or 10 either way. But that's a lot of times where I see the cost benefit, your time, what your time worth is calculated into that. It's about 20 access points. Controller-based systems, they can handle hundreds and I've even heard of systems handling thousands of access points. And so we can grow these really, really big wireless systems using these controller based, these wireless LAN controllers, lightweight access points to make really big wireless networks. We also need to look at types of antennas. And there's, there's basically two types of antennas we see in our wireless networks. One is a dipole antenna and one is the other one is a directional antenna. Here we see a dipole antenna. It's usually that antenna that sticks straight up. It's typically in black. It's coated in rubber. A lot of times people will call these rubber ducky antennas. I'm not sure why that's how I learned it is a rubber ducky antenna, but it's this antenna that sticks up. And now this coverage, that comes out from these antennas, it covers an area. And actually, if you get a spectrum and anal analyzer out and analyze the signal from this, what this looks like is put the dipole antenna in the center, and then you take a giant donut and put it around. That cross-sectional, so it's a circle that basically spins all the way around your antenna, that's the coverage area. Just take a giant donut, put it on there. You're talking, it's a two, three hundred foot donut you put on there, that's your coverage. Coverage directly up and directly below that di dipole antenna is horrible, but it gives you a nice area of coverage around it. The other is a directional antenna. Now, these are definitely overkill for a directional antenna, but you'll get the idea. We have a Yagi antenna here. Um, we see and that's named after the guy who invented the concept, but this is a highly directional one. You may recognize this as like a TV antenna on top of a house. It, it's highly directional and it sends data out there. There is no big area of coverage. It data goes, or the signal goes in a direction. Same thing with a parabolic. And right down here, we have our parabolic, parabolic antenna. What happens here is this is the transmitter so this is the transmitter here. Signal comes out here, hits here, and because of the curve here, they've calculated out that all the signals go out straight. Whether the signal comes down here and goes out straight, whether it goes over to here and it goes out straight. Basically, the signals are sent out like laser beams. And, and that's what you can picture the radio signals as, is laser beams. They're very narrow, but they travel a lot farther. Some of these get up to 20 miles. They will send a signal. Some of these are used, 
especially the parabolic ones, to communicate with satellites in space. So you're looking 20, 30, 50 miles into space to connect in to get your um, broadband internet connections or satellite communications. That's what we're seeing. And between the uh, rubber ducky, the dipole antennas, and these directional antennas, we can see how we can cover different things. And directional antennas, they come in different varieties. Now these are highly directional antennas. We have directional antennas that cover a room. You mount it on a room, or you mount a, one of these wall mount antennas on a wall in the room, it sends out a signal to cover the room, but on the backside, it doesn't send any signals out. It's designed that way. Just send out the signal forward in 180 degrees to cover the room. Or if you need an antenna to cover 90 degrees, you can buy that. And so antennas, once you start getting into directional antennas, this is where you want to talk to your sales engineer. A lot of times you may not be an expert on exactly what types of antennas, but when you deal with your sales engineer, they will be able to help you and say, okay, you need to buy a couple of these wall mount antennas to cover your conference room or your meeting room to give you good coverage in there. It was my pleasure to provide you with this wonderful episode on wireless LAN components. If you like this episode and you got value out of it, and of course, depending upon what platform you're using, please click that like button, give a five-star rating, leave a comment. This all helps me bring you more great content. Please take a minute to subscribe to my channel. All of my socials and contact information are on my website, devtechify.com. There you can find out how to get all these episodes in video and podcast form. In the upper right is my playlist for my series on switching, routing, and wireless essentials. In the bottom right is one of my favorite videos that I linked just for you. Thank you so much for watching this episode of my series on switching, routing, and wireless essentials for the CCNA. Once again, I'm Kevin. This is Kev Techify. I'll see you next time for another great adventure.